Good morning and welcome everybody. You are listening to Faith FM 87.6, SM18 or 88 right across the Faith FM network wherever you are in this amazing country that we call Australia. This is the Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning. We know it's positively different because Mon was singing to us just before we got started here a moment ago. <laughs> and uh, yes, you're with Lyle and... Mon, good morning, Lyle. How's it going? You keep singing? No, I don't want to scare the listeners away. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't leave listeners just because I like to sing and don't sound good at it. <laughs> I'm still here. Oh, just. bless your heart. You're being paid to be here. Our listeners <laughs> yes, are not paid to be paid, anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> mm, yeah, let me think about that for a moment. Uh, <laughs> What are you grateful for this morning, Lyle? I am it's grateful singing, for um, <laughs> um, four-wheel driving. It's four-wheel driving. Yeah, yeah, yes. I, I get to talk, tell a four-wheel drive story this yeah. morning. Yeah, and the reason I know that he's about to tell a four-wheel drive story. <laughs> oh, I know, story. and I have a new car. And you have a new car. That's right. You're going to help me name it. It's yeah. blue and it's a, a Suzuki Alto. Yeah, give us a call to. if you have any name suggestions. It's got to be a girl's name, uh, 1-800-FAITH-FM. The reason I know what Lyle's going to talk about today is because we already talked about it. Yes, and it was such an awesome story. I love it talking about forward story. driving. Yeah. Well, and t- mental health. And this is because- Good this for is your a, mental health. This is actually the delayed you broadcast mental introduction. Buy a forward drive. Problem solved. Well, I wouldn't go so far as to say that, Lyle, but yeah, I want to strike that one off the record, please. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody call us or sue us. Uh, <laughs> uh, this that, is, was, that was said in levity. But there is a there are benefits. Seed of, there are benefits. Yeah, are absolutely. Benefits. Oh, there's always benefits to being outside in the sunshine, yeah, fresh that's right. air, that's the in whole point. nature, yeah, with your family. You with hanging or out, group doing of mates. social. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's what four drive is all about. Anyway, this is a delayed broadcast introduction, which means you are not listening this to the day that it was actually live broadcasted. You are listening to it late. Um, but don't stress. You can actually jump across to the live show very easily. Just go to faithfm.com.au, press play. Or you can download the TuneIn app, just get the free version, search for Faith FM Australia, and once again, just press play. Okay, and this is really, really important that you get on with the live show because Mon has been making this scarf. We live streamed it mm-hmm. this morning for, through Facebook and uh, Instagram, uh-huh. and um, oh, it's going to be given away soon. And if you are not listening to the live show, you, you are it. going to miss out. And it's just the most beautiful scarf with all different hues of blue, deep blue, light blue. It's you should like, see our social media lighting up. People are trying to bribe, bribe us. us for this scarf. Yeah, so it's a scarf. Scarf that I've made entirely on air multitasking and I'm almost finished it. I just need to weave in some loose ends and stick a tag on it and then we'll be giving it away live on our radio show sometime this week, maybe like this around about the second or first of August. So yeah, if you those days, jump across the live show quick quick. Absolutely. You'll miss out. Anyway, we love you guys' company in the morning. Thank you for joining us. We have uh, some other great stories we're going to be talking about uh, Paul. And uh, an excellent interview with my um, oh, amazing oh, interview yeah. coming up, just sensational. Anyway, stay tuned or after this song. All victory in Jesus, my savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Come on! Can wash away my sin 
nothing but the blood of Jesus What can make me whole to Anthem Lights, The Blood Melody here on Faith FM. And as we begin the day's breakfast show, Mon, what have we got for our first clue for the quiz? Ah, yes. Today is a new clue, new day, new quiz. And uh, this is already up on our Instagram. Check out our Insta story, guys. It is Faith FM Live. That's our handle. And uh, you can go watch, just press your finger on our profile page and uh, profile picture and you'll be able to see our 24-hour video. Uh, 15 seconds long each, and I give away clues that already has two of our clues up. Mm. And Lyle doesn't know the answer. Mm. So if you can tell me the answer, before Lyle gets it, I'll give you two prizes. What number am I? Clue number one. The Lord made a shadow. Go back this number of steps as a sign to Hezekiah that he would live 15 more years. Okay, so there's a shadow on the sundial. And of course, to make a shadow on a sundial go backwards, you've got to spin the earth backwards. So what we, what happened in that story? And it wasn't just Hezekiah's sundial that went backwards. Every sundial in the world went backwards because there was people in Babylon who observed it. Oh, really? And it, and it yeah, was so God reported, actually wasn't it? God actually brought the earth to a screeching halt, rotated it the other direction, and then spun. Spun it right back around the right way again. Right way again. We have such a powerful God. Oh yeah, that's, absolutely. That's, that's such a thing like, to ask of God as well. Yeah, I Incredible. Know. And everybody didn't fall off the planet in the process. Yeah, yeah. You know, when the world comes to a halt, it's like you should fall flat. We should spins it back the other way. It's like, I wonder what flat earthers think, think about this story in the Bible. <coughs> we have a we have a listener who's a flat earther and um, has called a couple of times, but um, he hasn't sent me any emails yet. He did promise me some, but. Um, Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'd to, like to, to hear. hear. I'd like to hear what flat earthers have to say about the story of uh, Hezekiah and the sundial, or even how they think it is that sundials work. Yeah, no. Well, I think that I think that it can work from a flat earth theory. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think it can work. Yeah, all right. I have some really sweet stories today, Lyle. Okay. Uh, okay so Bryce Bundell is a pizza delivery worker, and. Uh, just because he's a pizza delivery worker doesn't mean that he doesn't have... Uh, by the way, just because I said that I think it can work from a flat earth theory perspective does not mean I believe in the flat earth. I just yes, want to make that really clear. we are all very much into <coughs> round things, overly things. Spherical. Yes, we like globes here. And uh, Sorry, okay, so Bruce Bundell is a pizza worker, pizza delivery driver, but he also has some incredible talents hidden up his sleeve. People are very surprising like this, and I like this about humans. And... Uh, um, there's a family who ordered a pizza dinner and uh, they had 
this Bruce Bundell being the delivery driver. And so he's 18 years old. He gets to the, the family's home and he notices that in their foyer, they're quite a rich family, they notice they have a grand piano in their foyer, right? As you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh-huh. yeah. And, a couple uh, of those. And, and like, unfortunately, like so many people, like it's just there for show. Like it's just there to look good, you know. Because what's a foyer without a grand piano? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what every foyer needs. And, uh, foyer. and their pizza <laughs> delivery driver. I have a hard time getting my... Work boots inside my forehead, let alone a grand piano. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, try. I can't. I can't even fit my rug, <laughs> my tall mat, <laughs> in my. Anyway, so uh, uh, Bundell uh, sees this piano there, and uh, and he he recognizes, you know, it's a beautiful quality um, instrument, and he actually asks if he could play something, and uh, and so he pr- proceeds to crack out um, Beethoven's third movement of Moonlight Sonata. Okay, so he's more than just a pizza delivery oh, driver. Oh yeah, turns out he's quite the maestro. So um, they were absolutely astonished by by this young kid's skills, and so the family started taking a video of the performance and they posted it on Facebook, where it has gone viral. <laughs> this little kid in his pizza delivery uniform cracking out the classics, and uh, and. Um, even the fa- the pizza, the family who was eating the pizza, even like their kids who were like downstairs in the basement playing video games, heard this beautiful music and they stopped playing video games and came out to listen to the song. And uh, and the incredible part is that uh, this kid said he's actually mostly self-taught. Okay. And, uh, and yeah, and so he started playing piano on his family's keyboard when he was about six years old and he sort of started to mimic um, simple piano show theme songs and kids' tunes until finally his mum bought him some Beethoven CDs and then he just sort of would listen and, and then piece by piece he would learn it by ear, you know, with some help from YouTube videos. This mm-hmm. is why I love YouTube. And uh, within a year he had like nailed most of Beethoven's compositions. And... Uh, yeah, so this kid is incredible. Like, you see, it's a long process. You have to sit there. You try and think about how to try and put it on the piano piece by piece. He said, I couldn't read music back then. I would sit there and listen for hours and hours and try to figure it out. He's, he's from a, a low socioeconomic um, background, and so his, his family just couldn't afford um, yep, piano lessons. Yep, yep. So, you know, if you have a passion and a, and a drive and, and you desire to learn something, you can really learn anything. Um, you don't even need a teacher sometimes. That is just, a, oh, I love yeah. the story so much. And uh, and yeah, and so he, he's a very zealous player. And um, finally, I think when he was, uh, <coughs> since about 15 years old, he finally managed to get um, a piano teacher, but out of four, a piano teacher. But he had to go through several piano teachers um, because he has such a such a, an enthusiastic style of mm-hmm. playing and of learning that he had to get a teacher who could like keep up because they all wanted him to learn the basics and you know do it properly in the way it's been done in the classical realm and this like this. And he just wanted to, he just wanted to barrel on with what, where he was already up to. So <laughs> I'm Doesn't gonna, sound like this guy needs a teacher. He just needs to get out there and play, yeah, and practice, exactly. and just go hard. But they've uh, the family has posted uh, a video. It's, it's the Vashchetti family, and uh, I'm going to put the video up on our socials because it's a really encouraging, wonderful video of this pizza delivery kid cracking out Beethoven on a family's <laughs> grand Why piano. not? As you so, do when you're delivering pizza. Uh-huh. Yeah, one of my boys did pizza delivery, and uh, I must say that this is something that he never did and <laughs> never will do. <laughs> I can guarantee that. But I can see him being like, oh, hey, I see you have a Bible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. I definitely. Yeah. Yeah, that would have happened for sure. Okay, Lyle, if if you found a wallet stuffed with cash, uh-huh. would you keep it or return it? <sighs> I would return it. <laughs> <laughs> With a big sigh. <laughs> With a big sigh, I would return it. Mm-hmm. 
Do you think uh, a kid or a group of kids would return cash that they found in a wallet? You know, there are some kids out there who would. Well, we actually... I I, I suspect that you are about to tell me about some who did. Yes, we actually have a bunch of good kids and they were caught on camera returning a wallet-filled cash with $700 worth of cash. And uh, these kids, they were praised for doing the right thing. They found a wallet stuffed, absolutely stuffed with cash. Um, It was uh, Jamie Carlton was the owner. He dropped his wallet outside of his car on the driveway of their home and, uh, and it had a lot of cash in it. And then 13-year-old Haley Wenkin and her six-year-old brother Regan and their friend Ashley Dayton, they'd been uh, going on a bike ride around the neighborhood when they found it on the ground. And uh, the video footage catches them picking it up, finding it, opening it up, being like really stunned to find, you know, mm-hmm. what was obviously a fat sum of cash. And, uh, and then having a little chat about it. And, uh, you know, you can see them like sort of deliberating what to do. And, um, but they, it, they, it catches them actually, uh, walking up to Carlton's house and ringing the doorbell. And, uh, and then they had to leave a message for the camera monitoring system because the person, people weren't home. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they just left the message. They said, we found your wallet outside and we just thought we might give it back to you. I'm going to put it over here so no one takes your money. And, uh, and yeah, and so she hides it, um, underneath a pot plant and, uh, and leaves it for the, for the people. <laughs> there you go. Isn't that just the sweetest? That's awesome. So I'm also going to put that story up on, um, because they have the the social the um, social security they have the security footage uh, yeah, yeah. posted up and it's also gone viral. But you know what? I wish we would ask our listeners if they have any good news stories because absolutely yeah. While we were away over the weekend down in Melbourne at our tenth birthday party, and uh, we got to meet quite a few of our listeners. Quite a few listeners love to come up to me and tell me good news stories, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really I, I, everyone has a good news story. I think. You know, when I first started doing this, I was like, oh, I don't have any good news stories. I'm going to have to go hunt them all down or something. But everyone, if they think about it, they have some sort of good news to share. Absolutely. And uh, yeah. we would love to encourage you to call us up. and uh, Or you can text or email us if it's a quite lengthy story. Um, email me the story. And uh, we will share your good news story as part of our breakfast show. Because good news stories are not that uncommon. You know, you hear about these kids giving back this cash yeah. and that kind of thing. But, you know, I've had it happen on a number of occasions myself where I've lost my wallet. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the coppers might have found it or something or other. They give you a call and say, hey, we got your wallet. You turn up there and all of your money's still in it. Yeah. You know, I don't carry money anymore. But, that yeah. was, you know, back in the day when we used to use money. That was the other thing that people said to me. They were like, oh, it's so nice to hear that good stuff is still happening. But this is the thing. And there's been a number of times when, you know, I've picked up people's wallets or, you know, there was uh, a lady whose car got broken into and... Um, <clears throat> you know, all of her stuff was spread down, up and down the street and you could see where the window had been smashed, collected mm-hmm. it all up and returned it to her. People appreciate that kind of thing. Yeah, and, and more, more good news happens than we think because it's just that we don't report on it. So good news is happening just as fast as bad news. More just, so. Yeah, we just need to talk about it more. Give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM, if you want to tell us uh, your good news story or head to our website. It's faithfm.com.au and you can uh, follow the links there to contact page and email me your good news story.
Jaden Levick with Come Thou Founder of Every Blessing here on Faith FM <coughs> this morning. Before we get into our more serious news stories, we're going to have another clue for the quiz and your opportunity for getting a double prize is gone. That's right, because Lyle has figured out the answer. and uh, Got it on the first clue. He, he did. <coughs> and, uh, okay, so second clue, what number am I? Oh, by the way, by the way, here's, a, here's, a, here's an extra clue. Mm-hmm. God mm-hmm. is metric, not imperial, <laughs> metric. He uses the metric system, not the imperial system. Just putting that there on the, out there for- um, uh, Makes sense, yeah. makes sense. So all the Americans out there, time to uh, get rid of the Babylonian system. Uh-huh. Get with the times, uh-huh. join everybody else, the rest of the world. That's it. Okay, clue number two, what number <coughs> am I? The chapter in Luke's gospel that records the parable of the Good Samaritan. Mm-hmm. If you know the answer, you know our number, 1-800-324-843 or text us on 0491-064-669 or contact us via social media. But we did have – social media is a little bit hard for us to keep track of during the show. Yeah, we, we do all right, but not, not the best. Yeah, so you're better off to give us a call or shoot us a text message and uh, that way you can be assured to be the first one to get the prize this morning. Well, headline news today – Archbishop Philip Wilson has, at last, resigned. Oh, yes. So this is after Malcolm Turnbull has put pressure on him, after Bill Shorten has put pressure on him, after I think every single person in the media has put put pressure on him and every single person in Australia has put pressure on him. Pressure on him. Uh, the public has come through and you are the winners today because you are the ones who actually got out there and put the pressure on this guy to do the right thing. Amen. Amen. And uh, of course, it's a little bit, uh, <coughs> you know, uh, 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 a little, a little too late. Mm-hmm. A too little, too late. Um, and of course, this is step one. Step two is that this person now needs to be defrocked. Yeah. Um, he needs to be removed from ministry. And of course, and this this is what disappoints me is that you know when Pope Francis came to power, I had a lot. I had very high hopes that he would be. Um, you know, a, a pope who is more in tune with where the world is right now rather than having a medieval take on things. Mm-hmm. And in some instances, he has demonstrated that. But in this instance, he has not. You mm-hmm. know, it's like, why is this guy not been defrocked? Why hasn't he been booted out? If we, if we think of, um, you know, Cardinal Theodore McCarrick in the United States, the Archbishop of Washington, um, who uh, resigned because of, um, you know, just a huge pile of allegations of child abuse. Mm-hmm. And he was sentenced to a life of prayer and penance <sighs> by the Vatican. Now, now, what do you think about this for a moment? I, I'm, I'm a pastor. Yeah. Okay. And one of the things that I love to do 
is when I've got free time is to sit down and study the Bible. Yeah. You know, this is one of the reasons why people get into ministry. Uh People get into ministry because they love studying the Bible. Uh So Pope Francis has just sentenced this guy for the rest of his life to do something that he loves. Yeah. Yeah, this is like when I was a kid, my parents tried to do this whole timeout thing when they sent me to my room. Yeah, and I was like, ecstatic. Yes. <laughs> I have so many toys in my room. Because you know, all I want to do is read <coughs> in peace and be left in peace. And that's pretty much what timeout was for me. Yeah. It didn't work. Yeah, so there's much more that needs to be done here, but it is a step in the right direction, and any step in the right direction is a good step, something that I like to see. He did make a – there are a couple of statements here. He said his resignation uh, was not requested. He did specify that, that the Pope had not asked him to resign, which is disappointing, deeply disappointing. Yeah, hugely disappointing. Um, He said, there is just too much pain and distress being caused by my my maintaining office. Well, I wonder where the major uh, distress and pain is is it to the victims or is it to the church and which one of those two pressures was too much after particularly all the bishops in australia asked him to resign um <coughs> he says uh my maintaining the office of archbishop adelaide especially to the victims of father fletcher why is he still calling this guy father fletcher yeah. he's no he's no father to anyone yeah has he he is james fletcher not father fletcher one of the worst pedophiles that we have seen in this country ever mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and a guy that this guy protected they should all be locked up. I just want them in a dungeon. The yeah. whole lot of them. Everybody in Australia does. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, Malcolm Turnbull stated, he says, I welcome Philip Wilson's resignation as Archbishop of Adelaide today, which belatedly recognises the many calls, including my own and our own here at Faith FM, for him to resign. So, yeah, a little bit belated, but the right thing to do at last and hopefully setting a an example um, and a precedent for other clergy who are found in the same situation from here on in, that action is taken much more quickly and people actually think about victims rather than thinking about themselves. Do you think our Prime Minister could have done more than just calling on him? Um, Because the Catholic Church is a state and we have diplomatic relationships with the Vatican, which you don't have with any other church, um, I think that it would have been appropriate to break diplomatic ties until this Situation was resolved. Yeah. I think that would send a very, very would have sent a very very clear message as to how seriously we take child abuse in this country. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. <coughs> anyway, the story that I wanted to share with you, yes, is um, a story um, highlighted by uh, John Ruth, um, otherwise known as Ruthie, editor of the second largest men's magazine in Australia, um, Senate candidate for the last two elections, and a uh, ex school teacher. Do you say Ruthie? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know this guy, right? I do. Actually. He's famous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he is highlighting four-wheel drive access as being a mental health issue. And I am so in tune with what he is saying right here. Wait, 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 wait. wait. What do you mean four-wheel drive access as a Okay, mental so we've issue? got this whole culture in Australia of lock everything up. Don't yeah. let anyone in. Lock it all up. Um, no wheels allowed unless you are, um, you know, at an age... And at a fitness level where you can walk in, you're simply not allowed to go there. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. And yep. so, for instance, um, they're in the process of trying to lock up Nile, Nine Mile Beach right here in uh, the Newcastle area. And, uh, <coughs> and you know, large portions of Stockton Beach have also been locked up. 
and you know you can go on and on and on and on. It, mm-hmm. it just it just uh, it, it it's a it's a it's a huge issue here in Australia. We lock up more of our country than anywhere else in the world. Oh really? And so <clears throat> we're being imprisoned in our own country, mm-hmm. effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also in charge of the uh, the not for profit um, organisation called Unlock Australia. Okay. Yeah. Now. Um, he's highlighting this as a mental health issue and I want you to think about this for a moment. You know, you've got a family mm-hmm. and your typical family these days in their time out is, uh, you know, the kids, what do the kids do? They, 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 they sit in a, in, in, in a dark room playing computer games. Getting addicted that to computer games. That is not yeah. good for their mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, they reach their teenage years and they start to experiment with substances. Mm-hmm. That is not good for their mental health. Compare that with taking your family out in the bush, mm-hmm. surrounding them by the things that God has created. Now, you can't do that with a young family if you don't have a four-wheel drive because if you've got little kids, and you know, I started taking my kids four-wheel driving when they were in you know, car seats, mm-hmm. you, you can't take them hiking. They can't. Their legs are too small for that. Yeah. You know, of any significance, give a little bit of a walk here and there. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, but a full day in the bush, there is nothing better than a full day in the bush as a family for your mental health. These are, this is just, you know, this is a, <clears throat> you get them off the screens, you get them out into nature, you get them problem solving because when you go forward driving, you're going to get stuck, Absolutely. you're going to break something, yep. Yep. your friend is going to get stuck, you, 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 you've got to get out there, you've got to solve it, you've got to, you, you've got to use your brain. Um, this is all some of the best things that anyone can do for their mental health. And we have a massive problem here in this country with mental health. It's probably the largest health problem that we have. It's actually well documented the benefits of getting outside on your mental health. (coughs) Yeah. Um, To quote, the right to use a four-wheel drive has become a mental health issue. It is well known that getting out in the bush or on the beach is a great way for families to spend time together. You know, families at home these days aren't spending time together. Mm-mm. And you think about teenagers. Okay, young kids, they reach their teens and all this kind of thing. They want to break loose. They want to let off some steam. And you get teenage boys and all that kind of stuff. Get them out in the bush. Yeah. They're, they're, going, to, they're going to face challenges. They're going to face problems. They're going to have to get themselves home somehow. They're going to break things. They're going to have to learn how to improvise. You know, some of the improvisations that I've seen kids coming up with in the bush, you know, it's just, it's just truly amazing, you know, and you compare that to, uh, you know, going to the pub or, um, you know, partying or, mm-hmm. you know, all of these other things that are just destroying young people's minds. And, of course, there are a multitude of other activities that are going to do the same thing. But you need to look at it as a family and ask, okay, what can I do as a family to break this vicious cycle of kids just sitting at home on screens? How am I going to get them out so that they're actually using their brains and growing in a healthy way? Anyway, Uh, that's my rant for the day. Yeah, and if you have an opinion about this, because I'm sure there's some greenies who disagree. I'm not sure why, but maybe you would love to hear about that. Uh, Give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM. Tell us your opinion. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the
to Faith FM. We have some very special guests on the phone with us here this morning and uh, this is going to be an incredible story for our listeners so stay tuned on the edge of your seat. This is an incredible journey. Uh, we have Esme and Arthur Branner on the phone with us. Good morning Esme. Good morning Arthur. How are you today? Good morning. Good morning. I am wonderful and excited to share some of my story with you. Um, I'm excited to, to share the goodness of God, and I hope this Amen. will be really encouraging for others. Yes, good morning, Monica, and thank you so much for the opportunity to share our lives with you yeah. and with you and now, the listeners. Straight off the bat, I can tell you guys have some accents there, so clearly you're not Australian. Where are you guys from? <laughs> well, I was born in Jamaica and left Jamaica as a very young baby. Uh, almost two years old and was reared in England for almost 24 years of my life. And then I left to come to the United States of America and um, live the rest of my life there. Yeah. And I was born in a place called Pontiac, Michigan, in the uh, lower division or lower uh, portion of Michigan. And uh, yeah, I've lived there all my life. Now, are you guys just visiting Australia or do you live here now? No, we are here visiting and doing seminars on emotional healing and uh, restoration of mind, body, and soul. Okay, okay. Let's not get too far ahead because we want to save that for the end because we want to tell people how they can come along. Because you indeed, Esme, you have an incredible story of healing. And Arthur, we're going to um, interview you later and do your uh, testimony tomorrow. So today we're just going to focus on Esme and then Arthur, your story tomorrow. Because they're two stories that are just too big to pack into one 15-minute interview. Um, So Esme, I guess take us back to the start. Tell us a little bit, you know, how you grew up and, you know, your journey of faith as it were. Oh, okay. Well, I was uh, born and, and uh, as I said, and reared in the island of Jamaica and, and moved to England at a very young age. And um, when I came to England, uh, uh, I was in Seventh-day Adventist family. My parents were Adventists. And from there, I um, grew up and at the age of 17, I left home and I <clears throat> went to start my nurse training in Surrey near London Mm -hmm. and it was during those years my teen years that I met a a Muslim guy and um, I was uh, 18 years old when I became pregnant single mother and pregnant by Mohammed and had my first child at 19 Mm -hmm. and about five months later I was pregnant again with twins and then had a set of twin boys and so from there you know, life just took off in a direction that I had never intended it to be. We eventually moved to Hartford, Connecticut in the United States. We got married and then had two more children, two girls. Mm-hmm. So by the age of 26, I was a, a mother of th- five children. Wow. And um, just started working and, and living life. I was um, basically very young and inexperienced. Coming from an Adventist home, I was very sheltered 
and I had really bitten off more than I could chew. Did you so, did you still identify as an Adventist at this time? You know, yes, I kept the name, of course. I had no other faith. And if anybody asked me, I'd say I'm, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist, but I never attended church. I was partying and drinking, smoking, dancing, and um, carrying on just as any person in the world. So... I guess it you would have. I guess you would have had um, the foundation um, of being taught that you know we should marry of the same faith. Did, did you have no alarm bells at any point? You know, marrying someone of a different faith. It's funny you should say that, and I use those very words. You know that an alarm did not even go off for me, or. You know what? As I look back, I I chose not to hear the alarm because I was taught not to be unequally yoked. Mm-hmm. And when I told my father about it before getting married, my father told me, he said, you're committing suicide. And he mm-hmm. was very distressed. And my parents didn't even attend the wedding. But mm-hmm. I was, you know, I was rebellious. And, and that's that's that was the consequence, you know, in a sense. Yeah. So tell me a little bit how this marriage went. Like, I, I, we all hope and pray that marriages will all be, you know, happy, harmonious homes, but often this isn't the case. And if you haven't, like, like you said, an unequally yoked marriage, it's, you know, even less of a chance of a happy, harmonious home. So that is so true. You know, I, um, it's funny, but Muhammad and I got along, and we got along because we were on the same page. We were both in the world. He was not a committed Muslim, and I was not a cr- committed Christian. So we were both reared in our faith, but we were no longer committed to our faith. And so, therefore, we were equally yoked in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so our decision with our children was that we teach them Islam, teach them Christianity. When they grow up, they make the decision themselves as to which faith they would follow. And that's the agreement we had. But Muhammad got an early start on teaching the children because I was so out there in the world still. And he decided to move in quickly with Islam. And so my children were being reared as Muslims. They were learning the Quran, reciting prayers. It was a daily work for them to do. Yeah. So. Mm. And how long did this go on for? This went on for quite some time. My, my, my oldest son was seven years eight years old when we finally left to go to uh saudi arabia and then he turned nine so um yeah it went on for that long that the children were being taught but in 1987 is just before we left is when my conversion took place that's when things started to change so in 1987 i should say my oldest son was seven years old and um that's when life began to change and become very challenging the relig- our, my religion brought in a challenge to the marriage muhammad became more um religious in islam i was now growing in my faith and we were separating in our relationship as a result so you when you say you had a conversion experience you didn't convert to islam you converted to um seventh adventist truth to the christian walk so you so both yes. your husband and yourself experienced a, a resurgence of faith but you both yes. turned back to your original um what you were brought up in so this would have created massive problems in your marriage and i guess your kids would have been you know quite confused so did your did your conversion happen prior to your moving to Saudi Arabia or was it while you were in Saudi Arabia that this happened? Yes. 
It happened prior to, and that's why Mohammed made the decision to take us to Saudi, so that it would stop my progressive um, uh, 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 conversion from continuing, and I would see and witness Islam for myself and would desire Islam above my Christian faith. So my experience in being converted was a powerful experience. God just started to bring back to my memory my childhood. And I started to hear those songs we used to sing in, in our Sabbath school class. And I remembered cradle roll and primary class, kindergarten, and my teacher's voice, my Sabbath school teacher's voice, the stories, the books, the felt boards, all those things just started to flood my memory. And it awoken in me something I was longing for that I had not known. And I just moved upon it. And I met a lady at my workplace. And she gave me two books to read because she noticed something was going on in my life and my personality was being challenged because I was going through depression at the time with no way out. And she gave me two books, Steps to Christ and Desire of Ages. And when I read those books, I just fell in love with Jesus as though I met him for the first time. Oh it was man. amazing. Oh, it was so amazing. And I knew Jesus was real. I knew it. And then as I started reading the Bible, I his voice was just shouting at me. And everywhere I turned, he was speaking and speaking. And it, he became so real, I could not deny him. And I realized there and then that I had made a terrible mistake in my life having five children, married a Muslim, now Jesus was alive in my life, and the question was, where do I go from here, Lord? What do I do? How do I teach my children about you, you know? And you're now actually stuck in Saudi Arabia, which I can only imagine would have made the problem way worse, because aren't there certain laws limiting your rights in terms of religious freedom and also as a woman? Absolutely, absolutely. All of that was there. And I and I tell you, I trusted the Lord, though. Uh, above all, God was so uh, real that every time I feared or doubted or felt insecure, I would open the word of God. And by the way, I was able to get my Bible through. It was that was miraculous because they had actually found my Bible and some other. Uh, no, just my Bible. They found and they called over the security guards at customs mm -hmm. and they were, you know, the penalty is death or they can, oh. you know, deport you back. Mm -hmm. And so high risk. And I had asked God to give me an experience like Moses. I said, Lord, open the Red Sea. And so when they found my Bible, they came over, they called the security guards, they came with guns and weapons, they questioned us. Me, I was dressed like a Muslim, so they didn't question me because men and don't speak to the wives, of course, they don't speak to females. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And my, my husband, Mohammed, was standing there and he thought he had taken all of the books out of the suitcases and cleared all of my Christian literature, but he missed the Bible. And... I prayed, God, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Father, do a miracle. And God did just that. Those men became so confused. They scratched their heads and they said, go, we trust you. They wow. took my Bible, put it back into the suitcase. Wow. And they didn't search any more of my luggage, which had tons more other books like <laughs> Steps of Christ and Desire of Ages. I had some Spirit of Prophecy books. It was amazing. It was a miracle. That is and truly so, incredible. Incredible. And, and I was able to get through customs with those books 
no penalties and um, was able to continue my my growth and development in, in Christ Jesus. Now yeah. things actually, I mean, that, that's, that's a great miracle and a great story, but things actually had to get a lot worse, didn't they, before yeah. they got better. Tell us a little bit what, about what started to happen there with your children in Saudi Arabia. Well, you know, let me tell you that the worst, lowest part for me was this, you know, I continue to worship with my children morning and evening and, and I would always keep one of my children at the door, at the window and to listen for when their father was coming up the stairs so we'd clear away all our our literature and and the books i had gotten through customs so one evening muhammad comes the back entrance you know you can't hide jesus his spirit is just in that place he's powerful Mm -hmm. and he something continued to go on he knew something was you know going on in the home so he came the back stairway caught us in the middle of worship and i ran to the bathroom and hid myself threw my books on the on the bed but muhammad gathered every single book everything that was we got through customs and took off with them and it was the most trying time of my life i weeped i cried and i um after eight days my son said mom we still must worship jesus let's sit without our books and worship god and he will bring back to our minds everything that we've ever learned come mom and i sat down with my children and the lord did just that well eight days later my kids were now taken from me in the sense where every day they went to work with their father and i didn't see them till the evenings i spent the day alone so now he comes home the children come home one evening muhammad leaves to go back to work and my son looks me in the eye and said mom your books are all at Papa's office and all the men are reading them. Oh, wow. It was amazing. And I realized the anger I had toward God and what was going on. God had a plan for those books to go to a place where I as a woman couldn't go. Men and women don't mingle, don't mix. But God's word went there to speak to the hearts of those men. And do you know, several of my books Muhammad brought back but when he brought them back he had another plan and this was the plan this time he said to himself esme is not teaching them islam the mother is the teacher of islam you see Mm -hmm. and since i was a christian so he devised a plan to take the three boys because it was mandatory for them to be praying at a certain age and now they were nine and the twins were eight and so one morning woke up again took off for work he took the five children with him as usual and i'm left alone and there in that silence i heard the voice of god say you're about to go through a crisis but i will be with you and i sat down trembling and that evening the door knocked and it was mona and mona came she was one of our sponsors there and her husband and told me my sons were taken to medina and i could receive my daughters who were with her children and so i took my daughters and I cried and I wept and that time was a trying, most darkest time. And it was the time that I felt God could not comfort me. And it was during that time the imams, the priests came, knocked on the door. It was two months before I even heard anybody's voice, adult voice. No one came to visit me. Muhammad left and for two months he was gone. No food. I was on the streets with canisters asking for help for people to give me food for my daughters. It was a very trying time. And it was at that time that the um, imams came and said, if you just become a Muslim, you'll have your sons back. And I remember 
thinking to myself, let me do this, God, let me do this. And God said, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my father. And I said to the men, go, I will not become a Muslim. Keep my sons. I will remain in relationship with my Jesus and I will see my children in the kingdom of heaven if I never see them here on this earth again. And with that, those men left and they were angry. And it was at that time that I knew the battle was over in that sense. I told them never to come back to my home because I would not convert. I, my children were gone. And I said, God, you can't comfort me. I wept that night out of control. And it was that night that Jesus showed up. And I grabbed my Bible. It was on my bed. And I started reading. And it was Jeremiah 31, 15 through 7. And it said, I'm just paraphrasing here. Thus saith the Lord, a voice was heard in Ramah, Rahel weeping for her children because they were not. She refuses to be comforted because they were not. Dry your tears, saith the Lord, for your work shall be rewarded. Your work is not in vain. And the children shall come again from the land of the enemy. Oh, I get chills every time I say that. Amen. Every time I remember that moment. Because that's exactly what God did. I had to wait. I dried my tears. I had hope that night. And I knew God was going to do a mighty work for me. And as I waited upon the Lord, he took me through the waiting period of trusting, obeying, of holding on, of staying in the word. He encouraging me. God was so real. I found out later my kids were never in Medina, but they were flown to India. 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 They, were, they left for India that very day they left out of the house. And uh, they, it was like six months now that they were in, in India and I had not seen them didn't know where their location was and um it was it was just a trying time muhammad came back of course the boys were still in india left alone only nine years old and the twins were eight and you know that only the holy spirit the father was taking care of my children and my heart was weeping and, and broken but yet i had to trust god to keep them alive to watch over them to feed them to guide them to keep their little minds stayed upon him and it was just it was unbelievable what i found myself going through Esme we are going to have to stop there we will do part two tomorrow so tune in tomorrow if you want to hear what happened with Esme's children being kidnapped and taken to India awake awake oh captive daughter Put on your garments of splendor Free yourself from the chains around your neck Shake off your dust, clothe yourself in strength Arise, arise, O glorious sun and walk no more in the shadow The Lord, your maker, has called you by name Lift up your head, clothe yourself in strength Forgiveness, it's easier said than done 
but there's a program called Forgive to Live, designed to help us all improve our lives and discover the healing power of forgiveness. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au. Hey, Mon. Mm-hmm. Do you believe in miracles? Look, if God can change my life, I think I definitely believe in miracles. Okay, so the Hamilton Seventh-day Adventist Church is making a difference in its community. Oh, yeah, how? Well, it's worshipping together, loving together, learning together, and above all, preparing for Jesus to return together. Ooh, that sounds good. When's all this happening? Bible studies start at 10 a.m., service at 11 a.m., and guess what that's followed by? Or is it this free lunch I keep hearing about? Absolutely. <laughs> well, please join us at the Hamilton Seventh-day Adventist Church. Our address is 105 Lindsay Street, Hamilton, New South Wales. Every Saturday morning where you will be welcomed with a smile. Oh God. 
I'm tired of trying to heal myself, Lord To cover my rags with the guise of wealth Tired of trying to live like I'm alive Truth is, I'm dying inside Lord, revive me I can't make it any most To the one who knows all I am With every soul state I chose I'm wretched, ashamed and broken There are no facades I'm done running from God I'm longing for home So I will Faith FM, positively different radio.